All right, I've been sitting. I'm sitting in this series. Just gonna sit. It's good for me. It's good for my soul. It's probably good for you. Y'all ready to do this? All right, we're gonna do this. Uh, we are continuing this series on uh, called Canceled. Uh, and we're, we are addressing and looking at something that's incredibly prevalent in our culture right now, which is this cancel culture, the outrage culture. And uh, we're looking at the ways that it's weaving itself into the church. But more importantly, we're looking for the ways that the church is supposed to respond to it in this moment. And so last week, we had an opportunity to look at what the cancel culture is. Uh, we got to see Jesus through the scripture in a moment of cancel culture and how he responded to it. We got to see that Jesus doesn't cancel anyone, right? But he was canceled so that we don't have to be, that all of our failures and brokenness can be redeemed and restored. That's what God's looking to do. That, therefore, that's what we're meant to do. So we're gonna dive further into that this morning. I'm gonna pray for us uh, as we continue on in this, and then we're gonna ask God to reveal his heart to us in this moment, okay? Let's do that together. Father, I thank you. I thank you for this moment. I thank you for a chance to see your word. I thank you for the opportunity to grow. I pray that today we would find ourselves being fashioned more into your image. In fact, that's my, my heart cry is less than a good sermon, less than a good worship service. The Father, we'd be conformed, transformed into your image and that your mark would be upon us as your church to be ministers of reconciliation wherever we go. I ask in Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, so here's the question. This morning, we're gonna dive a little further into this idea of anger. And so here's the question. Why is there so much rage, especially in this moment, at those who have failed or fallen in some way? We see it playing out in a number of different ways, whether it's politicians or celebrities or whatever it is, people that are in the public space especially. Um, why is there so much rage and anger against those who have failed or fallen when all of us have failed and fallen? I have yet to speak to anyone that if I were, had, had the opportunity to dig in a little bit on their lives, they're going, no, I'm good, man. I, I don't really have any, I don't really have any blind spots. I don't have any mess ups in my life. Everybody's got this. And yet there's this culture of being radically angry. So why, why is that? And I think the answer is anger is this incredibly powerful emotion that we all have that everyone has experienced in incredible ways, in ways that are heightened, in ways that are even beyond what we would say are right and good and healthy. So listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you to be really brave and bold. How many of you have ever been so angry that you said or did something that you regretted later? Raise your hand. That's everybody. I'm looking for the liars in the room that don't have their hands up. You guys online, y'all should be like emoji this. Right. Okay. Right now. Okay. 
Everyone has experienced the emotion of anger that has come up in a way that has caused them to respond in a way that they don't want or look back and go, that's not okay or that's not right. We all know anger. It is, a, it is core to the human emotions, but, but we have this anger that can come past normal anger going into a heightened or intense anger that's expressed in what we might call rage or even wrath, right? And it can become toxic uh, for us and for the places in which we direct that wrath or anger. And so because of that, when we look at anger, we can see it as this incredibly negative thing, that anger is a negative thing, that the but the, there's a problem with seeing anger as bad or negative. And that is because every one of us are made in God's image. And the scripture shows us that there is a good and a kind and merciful and loving and perfect and holy God in the scriptures who has anger. He has anger and we're fashioned in his image. And God has anger, but God never does bad. So what that means is that there is a right experience of anger. And the problem is we feel uncomfortable discussing the issue of anger. One, because we either see it as negative only, or we only see it as negative, or two, because the things that we see God getting angry about are in one place, and it's sin. And nobody likes to talk about sin. You're not even supposed to preach about sin anymore, right? Like even in church, it's like, hey, the preacher said sin. It was super awkward, right? But this is, this is where we see the anger of the Lord throughout Scripture, right? You don't ever see God expressing anger uh, because he, need, he missed his nap, right? You understand? Like you guys, you guys have, you parents that have had a toddler, you know what I'm talking about, right? Y'all know, y'all, you know what it means when you, like just angry because I didn't get enough rest. Like somebody asked you to do something and they're like, hey, would you like to hang out with us? Let's do something at two o'clock and then, the person, the, the family that's got the toddler says, oh, we can't hang out at two o'clock because that's our kid's nap time. And so what you think is, well, well could they just skip the nap? And then, the, but the parents know, no, we can't, skip the, we can't skip the nap time because if we skip nap time, sweet little Timmy turns into the Tasmanian devil and we have to deal with that, right? So the... the this is how we'll see expressions of anger, but God never responds this way, right? God never is angry because he didn't get texted back the other day, right? Like there are all kinds of expressions and experiences of anger that aren't around the issue of righteousness or justice. But what we'll see is that the father has right, holy, and good anger over things that are unjust and against ultimately sin, right? Sin is the cancer, the thing that is killing us on the inside, right? It's that thing that lurks around inside of us that says, my way is better, that says, created things make me happier than the creator, right? 
And with our sin, we cheat and we lie and we steal and we kill and we manipulate and we control and we put our comfort ahead of other people. We seek self-gratifying, God-degrading ways to please ourselves and to do our own thing and to go our own way at the peril of other people in some way, shape, or form. And that cancer inside of all of humanity called sin is lurking and searching. And it's created this massive chasm between us and the Lord. And God hates it. And it's weird to talk about God in those terms. But the thing that separates us from him, God has anger against it and wants to come and free us from it. Therefore, God expresses his good and just and righteous anger against the thing that destroys us. This is what the Lord does. He's not quick or harsh, but he's measured and he comes with justice at the center. There's such a cry for justice and I think even at the center, in fact, the reason we're even talking about this is because at the center of this outrage culture, of this cancel culture, the center of it is this call for justice that's gone awry and gone off the train. And the Lord's saying, I want to show you what it's like to be angry over injustice in a right way. Psalm 145 verse 8 says, the Lord is gracious and he is steadfast. He is merciful He's slow to anger, and he is abounding in steadfast love. So meaning God isn't the one that's flying off the rails, that whatever experiences you've had or seen of anger, uh, those unhealthy ways, that's not who God is. And so when it comes to this underlying question, what should I be angry about and how should I express it? God becomes the safest place the most trustworthy expression of how we are to see and experience anger. Can you throw that up there, Luke? God is the most trustworthy and safe way for us to see biblical, right, healthy anger, right? His way is trustworthy. And we see God's anger against sin, especially as it relates to injustice. And so we said last week, as we look at this cancel culture that is against, in, in many ways, some really, some, some really bad things, just go, going about it in a really painful and broken way. But there's, there are things to be angry about in the world around us, right? We talked about that. There are human beings that are being exploited and abused. There are those that are defenseless that are being preyed upon. That happens. There are fatherless who are forgotten there are those who are weak that are being taken advantage of. God does not feel delight in these things, nor should we. So there is a right expression. There's plenty for us to be rightly angry about, but God is the one who shows us the way to experience this emotion and how we're supposed to express it with each other. If you look at your Bibles in Ephesians chapter four, I want you to see this. We're gonna start in verse uh, 25 where Paul is gonna give an instruction to his church. And what he says is, therefore, having put away falsehood, 
Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. Why? Because we're, we are members of one another. And then he says this really interestingly. Verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. So to encapsulate this moment, what he's saying is, listen, be truthful and honest with each other. Be truthful and honest. There's a call for honesty. It says, because we are a family. And there are multiple levels of this family, but at the very least, we are all a part of those that are made in God's image. Every human being, right? So here's what he says. Be angry, but here's this warning. But do not let your anger descend to a place of sin. Because anger cannot be given an atmosphere to set in in a deeper way that becomes toxic and destroys you. This is what he's saying. There's a, there's a right way and a right thing to be angry about, but there's a wrong way for it to have its, to root itself down and make its home. Why? And you ask the question, why? Because he answers it in verse 27. Because in verse 27, it says, this is how, when that anger is able to sink down, this is how the devil strikes Give no opportunity to the devil. Meaning the Holy Spirit from here in the scripture is wanting to highlight the trick of the enemy, right? That sin is looking for a chance to sabotage healthy, righteous anger and exchange it with toxic anger that will kill you. You can throw that up there, Luke. Sin's looking for a chance to take the thing that you might be rightly angry about and turn it into something that becomes toxic. That's what the enemy's looking for a chance to do. And so because of sin, healthy anger has the capacity to, to root in and to become deep. And what happens is when it sets itself down, it can become, often become undetected, meaning we aren't experiencing the emotion on the surface level. But there's something inside of us that's causing us to operate in ways that are broken, right? That anger, even good anger, when it's left to be festering, can become a deep wound that can just start to, to destroy us from the inside out. Uh, I'll, I'll give an example. So this past week, or I think it was maybe a week and a half ago, I come home from work and my wife could tell I'm not my normal self. And so she can always tell when I'm not my normal self. I can't even tell when I'm not my normal self, but my wife can, okay? So I come in and I'm just like, I guess down. And so uh, she asked me, what's going on in your mind? I'm like, nothing, I'm good. And this is, by the way, this is just a little bit of a pattern. My wife has to ask roughly eight to 12 times, hey, are you okay? Before I'm all like, I don't know. I don't think I'm okay. You know? So it just takes a minute for me to actually realize this. So just, you can pray for her. But I, I'm coming in and, and 
and I'm recognizing something. And so I just start sharing something. Listen, I hadn't had a bad day at all. I'd had a, a good conversation with a, a, a ministry friend on the phone. I had a, a good work day at the office. But I came in, but there was something stirring inside of me. And so as we start to dialogue and we start to get into this, um, and she starts to probe, start talking through a few things that are happening. And, and then as we're in this conversation, we start going, hey, there, there's some stuff that's coming up. So we just take a moment like, hey, let's, let's pray. And so as we're praying, what's happening is I'm, I'm actually being confronted with what I would just call are some idols, right? And so I, just for clarity, I don't have any like little golden cows in my house. But when I say idol, I mean th- things or places where you might want to put your hope or trust that are not Jesus. And I'm telling you, if you aren't doing a pretty regular deep dive about any potential idol in your life, it'll, it'll pop up really quick. So as we're talking and then praying through this, I'm, I'm recognizing there's, there's some idols that are popping up. And so just places that I want to put my hope that's not Jesus. Places where I want to find security that aren't Jesus. And as it's coming up, so it's like, okay, well, we need to, let's pray into that. And so my wife says, hey, let, let's just pray and just see what the Lord does. So I just start praying and immediately what comes up inside of me is anger. Just out of the deep play. Like this anger wasn't, we weren't talking about anger. It wasn't something that we were like having a dialogue about. We were working through some, some stuff and praying together. And then as I began to pray and kind of look at the, I had this thing of anger come up inside me. And I was angry. And listen, this was an anger over some injustice. This was anger because I didn't want to have to be confronted with the junk that was inside of me. And it was expressing itself in her. And I don't know if you've ever been there or not. When something gross is getting confronted in you. And it wasn't like when the thing was getting confronted, I was like, oh, yay. Awesome, man. I'm so glad we're getting to really fix this. I was like, and I was like, literally the first thing I was like, Lord, I'm angry. That was the first thing that came out of my mouth. And I just was honest with him about it. This is what sin does, is it wants to take its root deep down inside. I was actually having a conversation with my son. He had a, a, he had a, a school project, and it was asking him about Cain and Abel. And the question was, why Cain? Uh, uh, why did God not accept Cain's offering? And he accepted Abel's. And of course, the scripture doesn't say exactly why, but what it shows immediately is that when the offering is not acceptable, there's rage that comes up. This is what anger does, is it wants to root itself down deep inside and begin to destroy everything else. You might not be feeling angry up here, but deep down inside, it's destroying. It's creating chaos. It's speaking lies. Anger is moving, and and I'm telling you, this is what the enemy wants to do with this thing. And if we don't bring it before the Lord, it'll wreak havoc. And all of a sudden, you find yourself on Facebook ranting to bajillion people, trying to make some kind of sense, and it's, it's really actually rooted in some things that are broken. There are real injustices that the Lord wants for us to deal with. 
There are things that we're supposed to be angry about, but it can't come from this place of brokenness inside. It's got to come from the righteousness of God. Those, as we were walking through this cancel culture, some of the things that are coming up to the surface are those things, racism, right? Abandonment of children or those that are, that have special needs, right? Sexual exploitation of women and children. These things are happening and we're not supposed to be okay with it. But the aim is not for us to join in on the cancel culture. The aim is for us to hear the voice of the Lord and say, Lord, what are you calling us to? What does it look like to be rightly angry? How do we do this without descending into toxic rage and the cancel culture? So I have just a few things I'm going to give to us and we'll have a chance just to respond to the Lord. Number one, here's what the Lord's looking for is compassion first. Compassion. What I mean by that is this. The first question we should ever ask is, how does God respond to my sin? Before I want to go get angry at the sin of everyone else around me, how, how does God respond to my sin? When I'm broken, when I've fallen short, when I've failed, right? How does the Lord treat us, right? Jesus tells this story of how the father looks at us when we failed. He tells the story of a son who spat in his father's face, said, I don't want to have anything to do with you or the family. I want my inheritance and I want to go my own way. In his own blindness, in his own deception, he said, I'm not interested in being a part of anything that you are. I'll go my own way. And we all know how that, that story goes. The, the boy crumbles in his own degradation and life. And he comes back not trying to be a son or not trying to be a part of the family, just hoping to be cared for as a servant. And on his way back, the father sees him from a distance and runs out to meet him, clothes him in mercy and in his family, pulls him back in, gives him the ring, the Lord wants compassion coming from us, from his heart to, to the world around us. Because the truth is, when we see something vile and worthy of righteous anger, right? The father would have been, was, would have been right to just be angry and tell him, I'm not receiving you. But what he wants us to start from is a place of compassion for the blindness of the world. Whenever we see something broken and vile, the reason it's broken and vile is because it is completely blind to the truth. And so can we start from a place of compassion? Um, secondly, when you feel rage or anger, pray first. Right? Don't spew. Right? No, no matter how bad the situation is, or no matter how vile, right? Screaming on Facebook is not going to resolve the issue. And I'm not, listen, I'm not saying that you should never say anything on Facebook or social media. I'm saying railing from the get-go without having talked with the father first about his heart is a bad idea. And I think Christians have become 
synonymous with the world in this, in this instance. Therefore, quote unquote, Christian issues, but I don't believe they're always being handled in a way that represents the Father's heart. James 1, 19 says, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You hear that? I just want to just be clear, right? You and I getting angry about the bad thing going on isn't going to produce God's righteousness. God is the one who produces God's righteousness. We got to come to him. Proverbs 29, 22, a man of wrath stirs up strife and one given to anger causes much transgression. This is not the aim or the purpose or, the, or, or ever meant to be the identity of the church. It's just not, not the ones who cause transgression, but the ones who are leading people away. Colossians 3, 8, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Our language is to be laced with the grace and the mercy and the righteousness of God, right? I love uh, I read, uh, um, a, a great church leader, Kerry Newhoff. He says that uh, when you're triggered over something that you're angry about, he says your emotions can derail your brain. They can overcome in a way where you're not thinking rightly. And so he says, when you feel an emotional reaction to something, right? we thank God for emotions because re they reveal the things that are going on inside of us. When you feel a reaction to something, don't respond for 24 hours. Or a great way to say is take that moment, take a day and say, God, what do you say? What, is, what am I saying in this moment of emotional fit? God, what do you say before we respond, right? Because here at this church, people are looking for hope. People are looking for hope. Our call as a church is to lead people to hope, right? Inflaming uh, tensions by blasting away is not the call on the church. And then we'll finish with this. Uh, we want to seek for restoration. Restoration first. So here's the question you're going to ask. Do I want a resolution and reconciliation or do I just want to win? And this works real good for marriage. It works good for all relationships. It works good for friendships. It works good for parenting. Listen, am I looking for resolution? Am I looking for reconciliation or do I just want to win? All right, this is a question we had to ask. Matthew 5, 23. So if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come to offer your gift. Jesus is saying, listen, you know what's more important than an amazing worship service? Being reconciled. Be reconciled. Be made right and whole. Don't have anger and malice that's stirring inside of you. Find it and be reconciled. I want you guys to stand with me. We're going to finish this morning. A really practical question that a lot of people are asking is, listen, if we're not supposed to join in the cancel culture, how do we, how do we handle, how do we, how do we look to move the needle in the right direction? How, 
if we're supposed to help see change and we are supposed to be angry about things that are truly broken in this world, what do we do? And I just want to encourage us to be part. The answer is find people, find a group of people like this church that want to see reconciliation take place. Find organizations and businesses that are seeking and searching for the same thing. We have three different ministries that we partner with. We've got Family Affair Ministries and Elijah's Heart. We have GraceWorks, where we're partnering with ministries that are ministering to those that are uh, often in need or being subjugated in some way or being overlooked. In fact, this month we just started, we, we, we brought on a partnership or we jumped into a partnership with uh, Tennessee Kids Belong for orphans all over Middle Tennessee that don't have a home. And so our church, our church now uh, is a monthly supporter and partner with that organization trying to seek to bring people, uh, little kids who don't have a home, into families. So, meaning there are ways for us to step into this. And it doesn't come from a, a rage inside. It comes from the goodness of the Father where we can step out and say, Lord, what are you asking us to do? What, how can we step into this? So I'm just gonna pray that over us for this moment and we'll just finish declaring the goodness of God over our lives. Father, I'm asking right now, would you have your way in us that we'd express who you are to the world around us? I ask right now that if there's any place in which there's an unhealthy anger working or lurking inside of us, Father, that we'd graciously and lovingly receive your word over us, confess and repent. I thank you for the moment that I had this opportunity with my wife to be able to confess anger and repent of it, to call it wrong, to see you change me from the inside out. I pray, God, you do that in this church body with those that are seeking your heart. Father, we'd respond rightly to the ways that you're leading us and guiding us, that we'd say yes to your plans and purposes, that, Father, we'd stand for righteousness in our culture. I pray you would do that. We had a, a beautiful opportunity this morning just to respond to the Lord with anything that might keeping us from him. If you find, we're just going to sing this last little chorus. If there's anything in you that you find to be a place of anger, a root of maybe bitterness, that you sense maybe even the Lord speaking over you, just this is your opportunity to bring that before him right now and just say, Lord, I don't want to partner with this any longer. This is just between you and the Lord. Would you just take that to him as we sing this last chorus? Just say, Lord, this is yours. I'm giving this to you fully and wholly. I confess my anger, repent of anger. It's not right. It's not righteous. It's not about injustice. It's about not getting my own way. And I confess this to you and I repent and I receive your forgiveness. Would you bring that to him? Let's worship him this last course.